FAU loses a heartbreaker at Marshall. The Panthers, their hearts are just broken by an 0-3 start. Welcome back to another episode of the Shootable Podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. Going to skip a lot of the pleasantries here. You got the usual crowd, Shane Marinelli, David Handel. Uh, yeah, this is going to sound like old times before we were all friends here on the Shula Bowl pod. Uh, Shane's got plenty of takes on FAU. I know David will have plenty of takes on FIU. I'm going to let Shane take it away. I don't know if he needs to be teed up or an intro. Long story short, if you missed the game, FAU loses at Marshall. I believe the final score on that one was 20 to 9. That is the final score. Brendan Knox once again proves he is the best running back and best player in Conference USA. Shane, go. Uh, well, Brendan Knox really didn't have that great of a game. Didn't even at did he had 101 yards on 25 carries? I mean, um, Eric, I'll ask you. I mean, just for those who know, I, mean, I will say this: FAU played their tails off and was two or three plays probably that could have went their way. And for being down, I think what I think either there were some reports they had just over 50 players eligible, um, six starters out, a few uh, another half dozen or so key backups. Um, and you know, they, they were in that game until the last drive. It was a game. Uh, I, I think where, you know, some of the frustration is, is just, there was, you know, again, typical conference USA. There was just some calls, um, that were just it, horrific. I mean, like absolutely astonishingly horrific. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's frustrating when you have so much going against, uh, you know, FAU to begin with, with COVID, but, um, yeah, I mean, Eric, I will ask you this though. Did Marshall look like a top 20 team yesterday? Uh, I'm going to answer Shane's question. No, they did not look like a top 25 team, uh, on Saturday. They're not a and, top 50 team because okay. FAU at full strength beats them. That's, I, that's, that's I, after watching that yesterday. I'm there's no there's no not convinced. I, I, like Wells didn't do anything impressive unless you know he made his nice throws when he had tons of time. But he threw two interceptions, had two more that were just completely dropped in the bed. You know, uh, including where he just chucked up in the end zone and the receiver just basically dropped a pop. I mean, the corner dropped a infield pop up. Um, uh, it, it, like it's Knox, I think had average just was just at four yards a carry. Um, you know, running against uh, FAU defensive line that started uh, two freshmen, so it was just <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's I, I just don't see it. Okay, so really quick, here's what I want to say. First off, when I led the podcast with Brendan Knox being the best running back in Conference USA, I was being hyperbolic. That was actually to tee up Shane. Uh, if you look at the numbers, and I'll make this point in an article I'm going to write after this podcast, I think Sincere McCormick's probably the best running back in Conference USA. That aside, um, here's my gripe. First off, I want to just uh, correct something here for Shane. I know he was saying that it's typical Conference USA. I do not have the game books emailed to me yet, um, but I believe that that was a Sunbelt officiating crew for those who may be curious. A. B. That game, I said this to Shane off air. I will say to any FAU fan and anyone who listens to this podcast, no, I am not the anti-FAU guy in this podcast. I'm pretty you know, down the middle as far as the Shula Bowl rivalry is concerned. If you want to say that FAU lost this game because they were down to a skeleton team more or less – I will give you that 10 times over. I was not impressed. The fact that Marshall barely squeaked out. Mar- I saw some of Marshall Twitter saying that it was a gut check game for Marshall. This was a gut check. No, it wasn't. The fact that they only won this game by 11 points shows that Marshall, 
for as good as they are, and they are a top 25 team. Uh, Shane said they're not a top 50 team. That's a load of crap. Uh, as, as good as they are, they should have beaten FAU by more than than the 11 points that I they mean, did. It should have been 42-10. So, so they should they, they yeah. should have grinded it out versus us. Absolutely. So kudos. They should average eight yards a carry. Kudos to FAU for the fact that they went in there, and FAU had their chances as well. Here was just a big thing, and like I said, I, I think you know it's been about 48 hours since that game's been played, um, so I don't know where Shane is on this or not. The big thing that I don't want to hear from FAU fans is the officiating. The the dropped interception, and now that we're calling it a drop, that you know that was a dropped interception. That wasn't a interception that was over that should have been overturned by the refs. Uh, that wasn't what that was, and there was a, a horrific. Once again, I'll say it here on the podcast. I, I wish I could remember in the moment which FAU defender it was. I don't know why he chose to just take the receiver's head off that was five yards away from the play. But even and and that um, uh, would have been after the interception. But it was things like that. It was things like the uh, um, Brendan Knox, which in my opinion was a questionable call. But the uh, unnecessary roughness or personal foul call when Brendan Knox was going out of bounds and hitting him low wasn't dirty by any stretch of the imagination. But I just don't know why the FAU defender couldn't pull up when Brendan Knox was clearly out of bounds. It was things like that that cost FAU that game. But listen, all my credit goes to FAU. Marshall should have won that game by much more. And, uh, you know, it's that's that's pretty much what I'll say on that. I mean, yes, Marshall was down two receivers, Brock Thompson and, uh, and Willie Johnson. But FAU was down damn near an entire roster. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think it's just the frustration that, and I think a lot of it in, you know, we were talking yesterday and I was venting some frustration that, you know, this was just kind of, I think it was still some of last year bleeding into this year. You know, it's like, Oh, here we go uh, again. You know, and I think there was just a couple things that were ticky tack. I mean, Marshall's first touchdown drive was extended on, you know, one of those ticky tack calls. And it's just, you know, if this is versus any other team, FAU fans are probably not as angry about it, but it's just, oh, here we go. Marshall again. They seem to catch all the, you know, all the 50-50 breaks when we've played, including, you know, officiating not getting rules correct. But, yeah, I mean, in the end, I, I, most FAU fans, the ones I've talked to, are pretty happy. I mean, I predicted uh, – I think on our on the on the Owls Nest, most FAU fans are in the nature of okay, this is thirty five seven. I picked thirty five ten, or you know, a lot of a lot of people thought that Knox was just gonna take go against our backup defense alignment, and he was just gonna you know put one of those games up where he had twenty seven carries for two twenty five and two touchdowns. But man, you know, um, it it was just for you know it's just one of those things. FAU was able to hang around and. You know, they were there to the last play. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say this, and this is my joke, and I sent with Eric on this, is like, and this is just me being a little critical, and I sent an article last night. Um, I don't know. I just, Marshall, man, it's just one of those things that you just did nothing to just impress me overall, where I'm like, okay, that's a squad. Um, you know, again, Grant Wells should have walked away with four interceptions in that game. Uh, but, you know, um, but you know now Marshall has an easy road to their um their asterisk season. So, <laughs> hey Shane, really quick, I apologize for doing this to you on the fly, but I figured we should probably do this now, just in case you know there's a a situation a week from now. Um, 
the game against, I'm looking at the rest of FAU schedule here. They got UTSA. That one's going to be a really interesting game, like I mentioned uh, um, a second ago. Sincere McCormick, um, really a, a stud running back. I mean, he really is a, a very talented kid out of Judson High School, San Antonio product. Just what are your early thoughts? Not necessarily on UTSA, because I know it's early in the week. You probably haven't had time to even prep on them. But just as far as where FAU is coming off of the Marshall game and just what your feeling might be, um, well, you know, four or five days from the, now. The, there is a lot of things. So fans that don't know, and it's not even so much FAU is down to a skeleton crew. A lot of people didn't know. Nick Troncy didn't practice for two weeks. And it was his first practice for two weeks when FAU practiced Wednesday night. Okay. Um, so, you know, and they're also out both of their starting left and right tackle. So there was a lot of things like in the first half there, FAU had to use three timeouts where it was obviously there was confusion on the offense, a guy running in motion and Tronti's pointing the other way or the play's not getting in. Those are just, I mean, correct me for this. If I'm thinking this incorrectly, those are, that's just a product of not having your starting quarterback in for two weeks and trying to probably into, you know, run through a game plan in 48 hours with your starters. Right. I mean, am I wrong in that thinking? No, it it seemed like a lot of communicate things, just just communication issues. Right. I mean, they didn't have those against Charlotte. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, I even noticed, Yesterday, Lee McCarthy, I don't know how many snaps he plays, but he wasn't impacted. I know he's, he's one of those guys that was forced to quarantine. So if FAU gets all their guys back, I mean, they've just, they just shut down Knox with kind of a skeleton crew. I think they can, they can probably manage sincere and put the game on Frank Harris. And that's what you kind of hope for. No doubt. No doubt about it. Anyone who's watched UTSA, like I said, we'll get into UTSA prep and and def probably on the preview podcast, but that's exactly what you want to do to UTSA is put the game on Frank Harris. Cause sincere McCormick is the real deal. Uh, David, we're going to transition over to FIU here. I think it's a perfect segue because Shane just talked about the effects of COVID on this season and I know that FIU fans do not, do not, do not. I have heard over the past 48 hours since that game. I apologize. I said 48 hours since the FAU game. Got my head thinking Friday. It's been 24 hours since the FAU game. But it's been 48 hours since FIU's 19-10 to 10 loss to Jacksonville State. I know a lot of fans do not want to hear anything about COVID. However, the Panthers were down, according to Butch Davis, 24 players, as he said, post-game due to either COVID or injuries, so much so that Listen, it's not a good thing when you're starting left tackle and your leading receiver from last year are watching the game in the student section. That's where Danny Demery and Shamar Thornton were throughout the game. It's a tough break. I know FIU fans don't want to hear it, but COVID has definitely played a factor in this football season. David, going to give it to you for your thoughts, whether you know you want to take in the COVID direction, whether you want to take in the 0-3 direction, but have at it, sir. Floor is yours. <sighs> All right. So, listen. I get it, you know, FIU does have its COVID issues, but that just does not excuse you for not only losing. Like, listen, if we would have lost a close game, we were competitive, you know, it still would have sucked, and I still would have, you know, been very angry. But at least, you know, it would have been like, all right, you know, we had a lot of COVID issues, whatever. It wasn't that we just lost. We got absolutely dominated by this team. Here are a few stats, Eric, that me and you, we spoke about after the game. FIU had six first downs the entire game to their 26 they had 444 total yards to our 150 around there they almost tri- they almost tripled total yardage man and they were doing this with their backup quarterback because their star quarterback 
got injured on like the first drive. So there's first play, first, first play, David. First, yeah, first play, and he tried to go on for a bit, but you know he was essentially out of the entire game. And dude, it was just. It seemed like no one was playing with heart. No one wanted to be. It seemed like no one wanted to really be there. It was just. It was one of the most infuriating losses that I have witnessed. And and yes, like once again, we said it. You know, FIU is dealing with some COVID issues, but there's no excuse for what I saw on Saturday. It was just disgusting. The run, the defense, which we had talked about a uh, last week, saying that it had improved. You know, was getting gashed today, uh, yesterday. Uh, we couldn't run. We couldn't pass. It was just an overall terrible performance from FIU. And and I, I'm looking at the schedule going forward, and we should be underdogs in every single game because from what I see, it is not looking good for the Panthers, Eric. Yeah, and David, real quick, I'm supposed to be the journalist on this podcast. I said first play. It was actually the third play. I got the game book in my hand right here. But uh, that aside, David, I want to ask you this before I get into you know kind of my – what I ascertained from the game, what troubles you the most about a this season? And I'm sorry for hitting you with a two part question off the fly, but what troubles you most about a the the three games so far you've seen this season, and b just where the Panthers have been as a program over the past twelve games? Um, it would for me it would be the offense. Um, listen, I know we had a question mark in quarterback going in. But the fact that we have so many skill, like so many good guys at skill positions uh, that are should be faster than anybody, bigger, faster, stronger than anybody who we against this Jacksonville State team, and we just haven't been able to utilize anybody. It seems like our coaches can't, you know, adjust to game plans throughout the games. It's like they stick to what they want to run, and even if it's not working, they're going to stick to it. And you see it mainly on the offensive side. We we just can't find our rhythm. We don't have an offensive identity, and we don't. We still, honestly, Eric, we still don't even know who our starting quarterback is going forward. I think me and you have an idea who we we think should be, but I don't think the team has even figured out who they really want to start going forward, or, or at least play a majority of the snaps. So that's what worries me the most. It's the, the fact that the offense has no identity and is seem, seeming to play with its head cut off, <laughs> essentially. And um, what, sorry, what was the second question you asked? Well, yeah, the, the second question was just, you know, if you take this season out of it, FIU, I wrote this in a, in a piece earlier today, FIU struggled in their past 12 games. They're five and seven. If you look at the wins, the five wins that they have, this is a point that, listen, I got to credit Shane Marinelli for saying this first. He was the one who said this. There are The entire basis of Shane and I really coming together on Twitter was him saying that FIU had played a light schedule that played into their success entering the 2018 season. If you look at FIU's wins in the past 12 games, they're five and seven. They have the win over Miami, which was a six and five team. The win over Charlotte, which was a seven and six team. And you look at wins over ODU, UMass, and UTEP. They were in a combined three and 33. So that is a, was my question. Essentially, just you take oh. this season out of it, the the five wins uh, prior to you know, the last year that weren't necessarily the best. Well, yeah, it's it's even worrisome because, as you said, at least during the first three years, um, even you know, even last year, we would essentially beat up on the the teams that we're supposed to beat up on, and we couldn't win big games. But now, it, at least in this season so far, we can't even win the games we're supposed to win. We've been favored these last two weeks by you know a significant margin, and we've just looked flat, and and it, we've come out. 
it's being embarrassed at the end of the day. And, um, you know, going forward, I, I don't even know, you know, what I would say. Can I interject here? I, I was, I was just about to jump you in Shane, go for it. Go for it. My, well, that's, and David was actually kind of, um, did you have, unless you had something specific, my question is, and, and especially with some of the response and, you know, not getting into, you know, getting into, and this, this just happens. We've all seen this. All of us have been college football fans our whole life. You know, you start seeing the former players jump on Twitter and, you know, there was a one particular tweet. Let's just be honest here. You know, people saying it starts from the top. And my question is what does happen next here? I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this with FIU before and, you know, Garcia was, been here a lot longer than I know many FIU fans have publicly wanted, but I mean, does anything change? Does anyone expect change anywhere? Yeah, Shane. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get too much into the FIU Twitter talk as far as change is concerned. I mean, this is one of the things, and I'm, you know, I wrote something, a piece earlier today saying that just my, I I don't like to get into conjecture or, you know, subjective things. I like to deal in fact as a, as a journalist, the fact of the matter is this FIU has not looked good in the past calendar year. The, the time I, I remember the quote, like it was yesterday, Shane, Maurice Alexander came in after the Marshall game, the Marshall game two years ago, in which they had a chance to clinch conference USA East and they lost. And he said that what they were looking forward to doing was showing that they can put the old FIU behind them. What the old FIU represents as told to me by the players is essentially some of the, gloom and doom that you referred to on Twitter, which is what can go wrong will go wrong. We've regressed, things of that nature, so on and so forth. Some of the feelings that I heard from fans as they were leaving the stadium. And that's the biggest thing I think that the program has to address. And again, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, hedge my bets as someone who deals with Coach Davis and and the staff. I'm just being honest because this has always been my perspective. And I'll let, you know, Shane, maybe you respond to this or maybe David, um, kind of respond as an FIU fan in terms of in terms of quote-unquote change. This has always been my thing. Butch Davis is better, in my opinion, than what else may be out there, A. And B, if you want to deal really in the fact of the matter is this. I heard an FIU fan said to me post-game, we're in recruiting heaven, yet we're losing to Jacksonville State. The fact of the matter is this. I have no skin in the game. It doesn't matter to me who coaches this team. I Yes, I deal with Coach Davis, but it, 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 I, don't, I have no skin in the game regardless. If you look at FIU's 15-year history prior to, to Butch Davis, they have a record, I just wrote in an article today, of 49 and 146 prior to Butch Davis's arrival. So a whole lot of coaches couldn't do much with the fertile recruiting ground in South Florida prior to Butch Davis's arrival. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think... I, I don't know how much this is a recruiting issue. I mean, I cover it. I think FIU has brought in, like, you know, talent plenty fine enough to compete in this conference, but there is something wrong. And it seems, and it almost seems like it's gotten, it's getting away quicker. Like this, this isn't something that's, oh, this has been kind of this slow build. It's, it seemed, you know, just, you know, last year there seemed like there was some momentum, especially after the Miami win. And now it just seems like the wheels have come off quick. So Shane, it's not the recruit. It's are, the, the, you're, you're, Eric, I, I, I understand, you know, the position here, but they're not winning. 
End of story. They're not. And it's going to get harder. They still have FAU, Marshall on their schedule. You know what I mean? No, we have, yeah, we have the hardest part of our schedule coming up. It's not. It's only going to get. It's looking to only get worse. Listen, listen. There's no doubt about it. they're not winning. And the fact of the matter is, here's just this is is and like I said, I'm trying to stay away from you know conjecture, but I'll give you this. FA FIU fans might not like this. There's a lot with this season that you know you almost put that as Shane said, quote unquote, your asterisks by it. My biggest point of contention was last year when you have Stanley Thomas Oliver, Tier Tart, Isaiah Brown, three NFL talents. One's not in the NFL because he chose to retire in camp. And then another one in Sage Lewis, who was a borderline pro guy. Yet you go six and seven. The finger asking appointed somewhere in that sense. I have been critique. I've been critical of Jeff Cop uh, plenty of times uh, over the past two years as far as the run defense. That has to change. Offensively, I have you know said it on the record. And David, this is something that I'll go back to the FIU fan perspective. I saw fans, as few as, as there were, I saw FIU fans say, oh, last year, last year during the struggles, oh, let's bench James Morgan, put in Kalen Wiggins. So you know what? Sometimes I do tend to take the FIU fan perspective with a grain of salt because the fact of the matter is this. James Morgan covered up a lot of issues last year on offense, a lot of issues. The running game was not as explosive as it was in 2018. The receivers – FIU led group of five receivers in drops last year with 36 drops, 37 drops overall. So there was a lot wrong with FIU last year that got covered up with the Miami win. As you go to this year, the fact of the matter is this. Offensively, David, the quarterback situation is killing them, but the fact they can't get first downs is killing them. I hear people talk about the defense and the defense is being outplayed. They can't play defense for 60 minutes. And, you know, they played defense for 46 minutes last week. Week one, they played defense for 41 minutes. So the offensive struggles are killing this team. Whatever that is, whether that's a coaching thing, you know, that would be that's something that I feel you can ascertain at the end of this year. I don't think you can ascertain it three weeks in, David. No, I, I agree with you. I, I don't. I once again, I, I blame the offense more than I blame the defense, but I blame the coaching uh, more than I guess them all. It's yeah, it's it's just it's been rough. And I, I don't think there is a single answer. Um, I mean, I'm curious to see what, what team shows up against Marshall and to see if, you know, if these players are going to, you know, want to play for something. Because it, it really does look like, you know, it, it looked like they were checking out toward the end of that game yesterday. And, you know, you don't want to lose the guys this early in the season, which I'm, I'm not implying that they are. I, you know, I'm sure they still – you know, want to be there and all that, but you know, it's no, no, it's David, David, I can, I can jump in. I can jump in and say this, you know, on that last drive when they had to get a stop and they had the offsides that it prolonged drives, you know, mental mistakes oh. like that, um, mental mistakes, I'm sorry, aren't coaching. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a believer in that. You can't line up all, all you know, offsides on sides. Cause that's happened uh, a couple times in the past two, two games, but you could see on that last drive when they needed a stop, and they couldn't get it. You just felt the energy leave that sideline and down yeah. there on the field. And that's the main thing that myself, as someone who covers this team, will be looking to see. Where does this thing go? Because guess what? Outside of Western Kentucky, there's a real possibility that FIU could not win a game this year. Uh, Western Kentucky is a team that barely escaped Chattanooga, and they've got their own issues. You know, I believe at one and four. So that, to me, is why I say I'll be looking to ascertain that at the end of the year to see where this thing goes because. There's way too much talent on this team. If they're going to get blown out the rest of this year, 
then, you know, you can come back to that. What I think Shane's point was about wanting to look at change, you know, uh, really quick, David, I'll wrap it at this. And Shane, you know, what, you know Shane, I want to give Shane run, uh, a quick chance to respond to this point, because this is I, I think he's hinting at something, but I, I want to give him a quick chance to respond to this and then we'll you know, kind of take it home. When you kind of knew 2015 UCF needed change wasn't when they were losing 19 to 10 or losing because the offense was struggled to a Liberty team. That's a damn good team. Or, you know, they couldn't get a stop against Middle Tennessee. Shane and David, it was when they were getting smoked by 30 every single game. And then USF came in there at UCF and smoked them by 40 to zero. It was at that point when you realized, okay, this thing's gotten off the rails. Shane, would you at least say, you know, revisit this thing at the end of the year and see how the rest of this thing plays out? I, I think I think he deserves that. But my counter argument is we went this through this with Charlie Partridge. Very different. And Charlie Partridge was probably, you know, he, he was 9-27 and 27 as an FAU head coach. And the FAU fans, I can remember. I mean, Charlie Partridge was about equal as many plays from having that record be reversed in his career at FAU. Okay? The guy lost heartbreaker after heartbreaker after heartbreaker and unimaginable. You talk, we're talking about a coach that took FAU took Florida to overtime, right? So this is where I kind of disagree with your, oh, they need to be getting smoked to that type of thing. It, it, you know, sometimes that winning thing is just there. And, and I'll just bring this back to FAU. And I think, and hopefully this kind of sticks with the program, is you saw an FAU team yesterday, despite being down everything, going to a place that they've traditionally never have played well against a good football team. Okay. They played like they thought they were going to win. And that attitude showed, right? Like they've won a lot of football games in the last three years. And the guys that are juniors and seniors and they're out there now, just like, okay, we're at, like we, we win. This is what we do here. And they went out there and played like it. So, you know, we kind of, you kind of mentioned that doom and gloom. And, you know, it's not there. After you didn't win yesterday, but, you know, I'll make the, I can make the argument they put a winning effort on the field. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's one thing to just to lose by 11 points to Marshall, and it's another thing to lose to Jacksonville State. You know, I, I think effort might have gotten FIU over the hump. And, you know, like I said, here's what I'll say to that. It's just, my not even my journalistic nature it's just kind of me as a person it's the reason why to be honest i'm sure there were some fiu fans who probably wanted to write the article that i did after the Tulane loss or after the western kentucky loss i need to say see things in big sample sizes and so far the sample size of of butch davis's tenure has been three straight bowl games if we come back at the end of the year and then we have a large sample size over two years that says things are going the wrong direction then I think, you know, maybe you can go from there. So, but with that being said, it was a eventful weekend for FAU and FIU in completely different, you know, ways. Uh, Marshall will look to come to FIU in six days and try to complete the Florida sweep. FAU will look to get back on track against UTSA. Should be a really good ball game from Boca Raton. With that, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. Definitely recommend following him for everything FAU recruiting. And you can find David Handel for everything FIU on Twitter at MrHandel321. Thanks for listening. Happy football watching. And we'll be back with you in a week, hopefully with a couple wins.